I'm benefiting personally a lot from this class myself. And uh, even as I teach this, I'm thinking, oh, you know, there are lots of areas where I want to apply this. And I've, I've been so helped by your questions and, uh, you know, learning together um, what, what it means to, like, apply what Scripture teaches about parenting our children well. Um, so I just wanted to say that even as, you know, I start teaching this class on parenting, I'm by no means an expert like Brian. Uh, but... Uh, but I think the scripture is clear and there is lots of wisdom um, that we can apply. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited for us to think through this for our church. So if you look in your handout, we, let's begin by reviewing some of the things that we have seen in um, recent weeks in this class. Um, we talked last time we met, which was not last week, but the week after that, about formative discipline um, through biblical communication. Now, you know, the goal that we have been emphasizing in this class for parenting is to prepare and teach our children to trust in Christ for their salvation and for them to grow in Christ. So that's the highest goal that we have in our minds. And as parents, we want to be like fixing our minds on that goal. And um, we want to in light of that, parent our children um, towards that goal. And we must, we've talked about this, but we must teach them how to examine their hearts. And uh, we also have emphasized that no one comes to Christ or even grows as a Christian by merely changing their outward behavior. We have other goals as well as parents, and many of the other things that we seek to see happen in the lives of our children are wonderful. But this is the most important goal, um, and that is to prepare and teach our children to trust in Christ and to grow in Christ. So we, in the last class, began considering formative and corrective discipline. And we talked about what that looks like in the church and how similar that is in the family as well. So formative discipline, just to maybe refresh our memories, is how we shape one another through the ordinary means of grace. And uh, as you can understand, our words are a big part of formative discipline. So think of it like exercise that you do on a regular basis or eating healthy food. That's formative discipline. Corrective discipline is how we shape one another through correction and rebuke. And the goal of correction and rebuke is to see um, one another's good. Um, and so that's formative discipline, corrective discipline. Both of these things are always happening in a healthy church. And that's actually how a church becomes healthy. But they're also happening in healthy families as well. Formative and corrective discipline. So <coughs> our lives with our children should be filled with both of these things. Formative discipline and corrective discipline. Um, so holding um, family worship time, you know, or you, know, you may call it like family devotions every, uh, every day, um, that's formative discipline. Um, but that's not the only time formative discipline happens in the home. In fact, all of our lives lived with children should be full of formative discipline. So from the skills we teach them, the activities that they are involved in, um, all of that is part of that. 
part of formative discipline. And again, our words are so important as we um, seek to build up our children. Now, it's not just enough that there is formative discipline that is happening with our, with our, in our parenting with our children, but we are also to be involved in corrective discipline with our children. And that's what we want to speak about today. Um, and it, even in the upcoming classes, we'll speak some about this, corrective discipline. Now, last week, we talked also about communication, biblical communication. We talked about what that is and how we communicate with our children. It's been two weeks, but do you all remember some of the types of communication that we have, we want to have with our children? Anything that you recall? Encouraging. Yeah, that's right. So that was one of the types of communication. Anything else comes to mind? Exhortation, is that what it is? Uh, instruction, yeah, instruction, but it's like exhortation, right? Yeah, very good. Warning? Warning or rebuke? Well, actually, both of those things were there. Yeah, rebuke and warning. Yeah, yeah. Some of the other things were entreaty, prayer, and asking questions. So those were the different types of communication. So as we think about the types of communication we are meant to have with our children, we must make sure that we are using all types of communication at different times in our parenting, as different situation calls for it. And uh, we should be communicating all the time, 24-7. What is it that we are seeking to communicate in our parenting with our children? Most importantly, it is the scriptures and biblical wisdom. So we don't just quote the Bible to them or just read the Bible to them. Actually, we should be reading the Bible to them and we should be teaching them what the Bible says. Um, and if, uh, uh, depending on the age, we should even be teaching them to memorize some verses from the Bible so that they are familiar with it. But that's not enough. We should also be teaching them how to apply biblical truths to different situations in life. That's wisdom. And that takes time. And... Um, you know, that is an important part of our communication with our children. Now, you know, two classes ago, we also talked about the goal of our communication. And the goal of the communication is to get to the heart. So all of our training and instruction as parents is to engage our children at their heart level, with their heart attitudes, and not just to see outward conformity. Um, so that's the goal of our communication. Proverbs 4, 23, we read, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. So we don't just want to teach our children, uh, actually we don't want to teach our children, I should say, to merely act in Christian ways. But um, we want to engage them uh, on a heart level. And so all of our training and instruction, we need to think about how that happens uh, with regard to their heart attitudes. But at the same time, we also know that we can't actually change their hearts. Mm -hmm. So all that we can do is teach and train and pray. Uh, but really, we are waiting uh, as we do that for God to change their heart. That's the Holy Spirit's work in the lives of our children. 
Meanwhile, as we wait and teach and pray, our kids are busy behaving. <laughs> and we must deal with that. Their heart is a work in progress, but we must deal with their actual behavior. So that's what we're going to talk about in the class today. So if you come to that first section, Teaching Obedience Intro, um, you will see that it says biblical parenting focuses on the heart, but we must deal with behavior as well. So, yeah, you know, we can't simply ignore bad behavior because we know that it is coming from a bad heart. And we are training them. We are praying for their hearts. We are waiting for the Holy Spirit to change their hearts. But what do we do about their bad behavior? Well, we can't just ignore that, right? We must deal with the bad behavior. Think of it like a doctor that you go to who not only treats you for your underlying cause, um, but also treats you for your symptoms, right? That's the kind of doctor you want to go to, right? You don't want to go to a doctor that doesn't treat your symptoms, but only the underlying uh, problem. So also children need to be reminded of the requirements of God's law, and they need to be taught how to live in this world. So, you know, in this life, um, we all know this, but we're going to f uh, find plenty of situations where our child's bad behavior combined with a difficult situation or circumstance in their life is going to force us to temporarily setting, set aside dealing with their hearts to focus on their behavior, which is more pressing and immediate, right? So I think all that to say, yeah, sometimes we temporarily forego the heart training and we must uh, think about addressing their behavior. This might be due to, you will see the two points under there, an urgent situation. So think of it, think of a three-year-old that is standing in the middle of the road and a car is coming uh, towards them. You know, um, we don't have the time to uh, reach their hearts. You know, that is not the time to talk about the foolishness of what they are doing or um, if they even have a desire for wisdom, you know, while they are about to be hit by the car. Um, but you want to you know, take action. You want them to obey you immediately, you know, as you scream, get out of the way, right? Um, so urgent situations um, force this. Also, we need to take into consideration developmental stages. Um, so, you know, we are told that two-year-old children, they can speak about 250 words. And when they get to three years old, they can speak about a thousand words, generally speaking. That's a big leap in their ability to communicate um, with us. And we have said earlier, you know, parenting is not just a monologue where, you know, your children are just listening to you and you're just speaking to them. But it is two-way communication as well, right? And a big part of our parenting is to know what is going on in their hearts. But when a child is limited to just 250 words, there's not much they can say to tell us about what is going on in their hearts. So what does that mean? It means that parents who are of children who are under two, sometimes under three, will have to primarily deal with their obedience because the child's vocabulary is limited and they don't have many words to express. But they can understand more than they can say, right? But there's not much they can say because of their limitation. So what that means is during the first two to three years, there are four goals that we have with our children. And it must be focused on these four things. 
The first one is to create a loving home environment. The second is to begin teaching basic Bible truths and stories of the Bible, like God's existence, God's love, God is our creator, about the life of Jesus. Um, you know, I remember, um, actually, I think it was from Brian and Joanne, we learned this, just um, how important it is to like find creative ways to like teach stories of Jesus, you know, uh, through maybe like dramas and plays or acting out like stories in the Gospels. And I remember doing that like a few times with Amelia and it was so helpful for her to like, you know, uh, understand and remember the stories of the Bible. We're also focusing on teaching them about God's authority and that as parents, you are the human authority that God has placed over the children in your home. And finally, um, we are focused on boundaries for behavior and consequences for obedience and disobedience. So we're going to continue with our first point, and then we'll take questions after this. Um, but the first thing that we are going to think through now is the biblical basis for obedience. What is the biblical basis for obedience, right? Will someone turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 4, and read that for us? Ephesians 6, 1 to 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Yeah, thank you. Now, if you notice who Paul is addressing, notice who he is uh, addressing there with this command. He's talking to children, right? Um, now, the context here is you will uh, see this is for children who are under the daily care and direction of their parents. So these are children who are living with their parents in their home, who are under the care and supervision of their parents. Now, um, while this is addressing children, um, you know, I don't think this command specifically applies to adult children who are also, you know, uh, told to honor their father and mother. So that commandment, honor your father and mother, is a commandment for all children, you know, no matter how old they are, regardless of the situation in their life. But here, the command to obey, that there's a difference between obeying and honoring. And maybe at some point in the future, that'll be a good discussion for us to have about the difference between the two. Um, but this is something that we see in scripture, right? Obedience to parents for children. Now notice what Paul is saying. He is saying he's commanding children to be obedient to the parents. And he gives two qualifying statements when he calls for obedience. The first statement he says is, it is to be done in the Lord. Now if you consider this context, this section where this command is given in, uh, uh, in Ephesians, um, you will notice that it is about God's ordering of relationships in the homes. So you will also see commands uh, for husbands and wives, 
you will see commands for parents and children, you will see commands for slaves and masters. So this is what is to be, uh, how relationships are to be in the home. But he says in the Lord. So he's not just saying obey for children not to obey, for obedience sake. But he's saying that obedience should be done in the Lord. In other words, he's saying that obedience should be consistent with the Christian faith. And what that means for parents is that the commands that parents give should reflect biblical and Christian values. It should be training that is in righteousness. And certainly we should make sure that the commands that we give our children should never be in conflict with God's law and what God has explicitly stated in God's word. But it's not just what is explicitly stated. Parents should give commands and even establish boundaries for behavior that is consistent with biblical teaching and biblical wisdom. <coughs> so that is what Paul is saying here. And so that's for parents, but what does it mean for children? Children then should be obligated to obey their parents in everything, so long as their commands don't go against what the scripture teaches. Um, so, yeah, there is application for both children, even though it is directly addressed to children, but, but also for parents, right? The second qualifying statement that Paul gives us is, he says, for this is right. He says, children, obey your parents, but this is right. Now, on what basis does Paul say what he's saying is right or wrong? He grounds it, his command, in an Old Testament command. So he says, we are to, children are to obey parents because God has commanded us to honor our father and mother. So that is from the Ten Commandments. So our obedience is to be grounded in the law of God. So let me read that again for us. Verse 2, Ephesians 6, verse 2. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, that you may enjoy long life on earth. Notice that it is not just a command, but there is also a promise for blessing um, for those who honor their parents. You know, so he says there is a, you know, blessing that is given there, right? And so I think it's very clear, isn't it? Scripture's primary command to children is obey and honor your parents. Note, notice also that this passage in Ephesians that is addressed to children is immediately followed by a command for fathers to not provoke their children or not exasperate their children. But we'll talk more about that in, in just a little bit. Secondly, let's think about the definition of obedience. What is obedience? Obedience is the willing submission of one person to the authority of another. And therefore, what that means is, essentially, my child does what I tell him to do. For example, you know, if I say, take out the trash, the child has to do that. It also means my child refrains from doing what I tell him or her not to do. Don't touch the stove, right? For the child, obedience is more than just being told what he or she is to do. It means doing what is told without challenge or excuse, as you see there in point A, without delay and without grumbling or a, I think, bad attitude. I think you want to have a right attitude, right? Um, yeah, so obedience is not just doing or not doing, 
what is told, but also to do it uh, in these ways, without challenge or excuse, without delay, without grumbling or a bad attitude. And we'll talk about each one of them in a, little, in, in, uh, in a bit more. Another way to say it, a clever way to maybe remember this is obedience is to be done um, in the right way, all the way, and in a happy way. So right way, all the way, and in a happy way. Now happiness, you know, whether they feel happy or not, one way or the other, not, not the question, right? But there needs to be a proper attitude. <coughs> Again, remember, children are called to honor their parents, right? So are they, um, yeah, we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Let's consider the first one, obedience without challenge or excuse. So when you command, think about, you know, how this, this may happen. But when your command is met with comments about fairness, you know, for example, you know, ask them, do this, and they're like, how is this fair, you know? Or when your command is met with excuses or explanations or alternate plans or tantrums, your child is not obeying you. So, example, you say, clean up your toys, but your child says, uh, actually, daddy, I want to play. That's, that's disobedience. Or you announce that it is time to go to bed, but she responds, why do I have to go to bed all the time so early? Yeah. So that's obedience. That's not obedience. That obedience needs to be without challenge or excuse, or else your child is not obeying you. And therefore, they need to face some negative consequence for their disobedience. And, um, you know, we can talk more about this maybe a bit later, what this looks like, and maybe you have specific questions about that. Um, but also note that there is a place for appeal, um, even as we consider this. So once your child understands that they are to obey without challenge or excuse, you can then begin to teach them how to appeal to their authorities. You're giving them a safety valve. So... In other words, they know that a command has been given, but they also are given permission to appeal their command. And they know that mommy and daddy will reconsider what they have said if it is good for the family and good for the individual. So, for example, you walk into the room and it is 7 p.m. and it is time to go to bed and um, you tell the daughter to put away her toys and get ready for the bed. But then, um, you know, like... Uh, let me put myself in this situation. I didn't know that, you know, my wife has just told my daughter that she can play for 10 more minutes before she goes to bed. And so uh, my daughter can graciously appeal my command to put away the toys immediately and go to bed by saying something like, Daddy, may I tell you something? And then, you know, proceeds to explain what mommy has told. So this process of appeal is recognizing the fact that parents don't know everything, you know, and they are sinners, and they can have blind spots. And I do not want to override my wife's direction or command to my daughter, unless there is very good reason for that. But normally, I do not want to do that. And sometimes we have to take into consideration that our children may have a legitimate reason for why they may um, say they can't do something. And so this is a way for them to appeal to the authorities for why they shouldn't do or, you know, maybe not immediately. But note, 
even when we talk about you know process for appeal to authorities that you only open up this that is room for appeal once you have established that obedience must be carried out without challenge or delay and this is an excellent way for parents to carry out what is said in Ephesians chapter 6 verses 4 which is you know we'll talk about this but fathers do not provoke your children it is a good way for us to even practice that um, yeah but you know this point is I think clear you know obedience must be without challenge and without excuse otherwise it is disobedience secondly um, we will see that um, we see that obedience should be without delay so it needs to be carried out immediately and if they res refuse to respond at once that too is disobedience so for example your son is playing with Legos and you ask him to pick up his toys and rather than doing that immediately he says I'll go after I finish building this tower right um, that's disobedience or you ask him to come to you and instead of coming to you right away he just ignores that and you know continues to do what he's doing coloring his book or whatever that too is disobedience so in other words obedience must be immediate or else your child is not obeying you now how do you decide what is immediate you don't really need a stopwatch for that um, you know your child just needs to simply uh, listen to you and respond immediately when you give a command and stop pursuing their own way. Now, why is that important that we um, want to see this kind of obedience, which, are, which is without delay? It is because our goal in our parenting is to teach our children to not submit to their own will, but to submit their will to the authority of another. And when they are delaying, following the command, they're asserting their will over the parents' will. So what ends up happening is, if you entertain this, you know, delay in obedience, it begins to prevent the kind of obedience that scripture calls us to, and it diminishes, you know, um, uh, obedience altogether. So obedience must be without delay. Finally, obedience must be without grumbling or complaining. So in other words, obedience needs to be with a proper attitude. So imagine your child uh, follows through with a command, but then complains about it the whole time. And, you know, does it, you know, just uh, half-heartedly. Well, your child is not obeying. Philippians 2 verse 14 says, do everything without complaining or arguing. Well, to sum up this section, as a parent, you're establishing a standard for what submission to authority looks like. And so you're asking for obedience to be without excuse, without delay, and without complaining. Anything else is actually disobedience. So this is the only way that um, obedience can happen without excuse, without delay, and without complaining. Now, let me give you a practical tip as you think about maybe implementing this. Um, you know, a good thing to do is to consider bringing your child to you 
before you give them a command. And that is helpful for many reasons. One is, you're not just shouting a command from across the room, um, but you're, you're engaging with them face to face as you are giving them something that they need to carry out. Well, the second thing is, you are teaching them to make eye contact with you and not to just ignore you. But thirdly, you are making sure that they have actually heard what you are saying before you punish them for delaying um, in obedience. So you want to maybe uh, teach them to respond to your command by saying, yes, daddy, or yes, mama, or you know, uh, other, other ways that you want to say that. And that just affirms that they have heard you and they will obey what you have asked them to do. Now, you know, you have to know that children are not going to just naturally do that every time you give them a command. You know, they're not going to think, oh, I need to go to daddy and like have a face-to-face -face conversation with him because he's just asking me to obey him. Um, especially when they're in the middle of doing something, right? Even, even we don't do that, right? Sometimes people talk to us or tell us to do something and we're in the middle of something and you know, we, may, we may not even realize that someone has been talking to us. So you want to teach them to come to you before you give them a command and you want to start training them to do this at an early age. Now, what if you have older children and the things that we have talked about, those three things, have not been established at, at early age? Well, it doesn't mean that you can't still work on these things um, in your parenting. In one sense, you have now the ability to communicate with them and have some dialogue and instruct them about the importance of what you're about to establish, the kind of obedience that we just talked about. Um, and we just, you know, also want to keep in mind that it is not too late. You know, it may take some time, uh, but it is not too late to do that. Um, another important note before we move to the next section is, now if you give a command so many times and it is uh, disobeyed again and again and you lose your cool and you get angry, then remember that it is not your child's fault that you got angry. It is your fault. You allowed disobedience to continue for a long time without applying any consequence for that disobedience. There was no punishment for the disobedience and it continued for a long time. And when you give out consequences when you're angry or when you have lost control of your emotions, that means that you are sinning against your child. Um, you should repent if that is so. You should ask God for forgiveness. You should ask your child maybe for forgiveness. Um, and you should calm your emotions and your heart and continue parenting with the God-given responsibility uh, for you to be the parent and to remember that you are learning in the process and you want to correct as you go. So I hope that is helpful, but maybe we can pause here to take some questions and um, yeah, um, maybe direct the questions at both Brian and I, <laughs> depending on the uh, difficulty of the questions. <laughs> Yeah, but any questions? <clears throat> it's a lot that we have covered.
obey your children in the Lord. It seems to be that for the younger children, that instruction is more so for the parents and not for the children. That we need to make sure that our commands are actually in line and not the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking that as well. Of course, it's a great command to show your children, right? Like, you know, the Bible instructs you as a child to obey. But yes, it must start with the parents doing something about it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Something about the challenging thing that you mentioned, that when children question, I mean, yes, you, you seek obedience, but I'm just trying to maybe ask, what's wrong in questioning? In the sense that if the child is wondering, why should I go to bed? Same example, right? Yeah. What is wrong in the parents taking the time to actually explain why? Because maybe over time then the children also realize that, okay, I can trust this person's judgment if they're saying something that is actually a, a reasoning behind it. So that if we take the effort to actually explain why we give that command, it may not be such a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I'm going to touch on this in uh, a little bit. But Brian, do you, do you have any, any thoughts for that? Yeah, I think... Um, it's fine to ask questions, but I don't think it's fine to ask questions if it, if it delays the obedience. Because I don't think your child has to know the reason for why they need to obey. I think it's good that they can know the reason, but I think you'll find, at least my experience was, that when a lot of questions are asked about why, 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 it's basically a smokescreen for, I don't really want to do what you want me to do right now. <laughs> and um, I think you can say, well, as long as, for example, let's say it's go to bed. It's time to go to bed right now. Well, why do I have to go to bed so early? Well, you know, I would say, um, you need to go to bed right now. I can talk to you about that later. But I want to see you take the steps towards heading to your room, putting your pajamas on, and getting into bed. And then I'll come up and talk to you about that. I think, I think you need, as a parent, to be wise about establishing that they need to obey you whether they understand why or not. Um, so obedience has to come first. I mean, and it's true in our relationship with the Lord, too, right? We don't get to say, well, I'm not really sure I understand the reason why that's really important, God, that I should obey what the Scripture says right here. So I'm not going to do it until you explain it to me. I think we obey, we obey and we can ask, but we need to obey first and trust that the answers will come. But it's certainly over time, I think, to explain those things. But in the right time, and not as a delay tactic. That's often what i found. Yeah, yeah. That's really helpful. Good question, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you keep thinking of questions. Um, I think this will it'll make it it'll even better. But let's keep going on. Um, this next section is teaching obedience, our character as Christian parents. Now, what should characterize us as we teach obedience to our children? Okay, so this is about us now. <coughs> the first one is be consistent. So you must be consistent in your parenting, clear direction, and consistent reinforcement. It's very important for obedience to work well. Also know that it really hurts the child if you give them a command 
and it is not follow through. So you say, do this or else you will be punished. And they don't do it, but they are not punished. You know, we may not think of it this way, but it actually hurts the child even more. They learn when there is no follow through, not to take your command seriously. And they see your words as threats that have no consequences rather than commands which have real consequences. And let's remember how God is consistent with us and how helpful that is in our relationship with God, right? Um, and so also think of the benefit that uh, our children have when we are consistent with our children. The second one is be united and have the same standards together. So you and your spouse must be on the same page about the standards for obedience. So for example, you know, um, you know whether Sally is supposed to touch this book or not. Imagine if the daddy allowed it, but the mommy didn't allow it. You know, think of how confusing that is for the child, you know. If the parents' responsibility, so it is the parents' responsibility to make sure that they're reinforcing the same standard, the same set of rules. And so you know what, the, what that takes then, right, is that the spouses need to be in communication with each other about what they are telling their children to do and to make sure that they are on the same page. So when one parent institutes a rule, he or she must quickly inform the other spouse that this is something that I have asked her to do so that they can be on the same page. It will also teach the children not to be manipulative, you know, not to take one parent's side against the other earlier. And they somehow have learned that, you know, from an early age that they can do it. Um, let's again remember how God is with us, right? God's word to us in, in the scripture is consistent with itself. It does not contradict itself, and that's a pattern for us. So even as parents, we do not want to contradict one another or have different set of rules or different standards, right? And that's really helpful for our children. Thirdly, be a teacher and trainer. So think about this. Are you spending all your time just correcting poor behavior, or are you also intentionally training your children in the midst of you know, the correction that you give. Um, and have you thought through how you want to grow them in obedience? You know, have you talked about this with your spouse? Do you um, have like a plan for um, identified areas for, you know, where you want them, want to see them grow and have a plan for how that could happen? So here are some examples for maybe young children, zero to five years old. So if you are thinking about helping your children learn self-control, for example. You know, one thing you could do is teach your kids to sit quietly by having them sit on your lap for a few minutes every day. You know, so that's an example where you've identified an area that you want to see them grow and you have come up with a plan for how they can grow in obedience. Or you're helping your children learn boundaries. So one tip is maybe have your children um, sit on a, a carpet or a blanket and uh, teach them to stay within the parameters of that. Another thing is maybe you're helping your children learn manners and you want to teach them not to interrupt you when you are in the middle of your uh, conversation with another adult, but to wait till you are finished or you, know, you, you are able to talk to them again. Um, yeah, one helpful idea is maybe 
to ask your child if they need to speak to you in the middle of your conversation with someone. <coughs> that they keep their hand, um, they place their hand on top of your hand and wait for you to, uh, you know, uh, speak to them uh, when you're able to. So that, again, teaches them to learn manners, right, and to not interrupt. Um, again, these tips, and I think, you know, we can actually talk to each other and learn from each other about how, you know, we can do this better with our children. But again, these techniques <coughs> are not found in the Bible, but there are good principles behind it. They are just matters of prudence, but really, really helpful. The point is, you want to be thinking intentionally about what your children should learn. And then how can you, maybe creatively, uh, but certainly intentionally, teach them those things. Um, and when you are thinking of teaching and training them, do that in a way that is consistent um, with their identity, that they are bearing the image of God and they have a great worth and value because they are made in the image of God. <coughs> Could someone have to just get me some water, please? Mm. Thank you so much, Samsa. Yeah, so think about you know, that they're made in the image of God and what that means for how you train them and teach them. But also, they are people who are living under your authority. So, um, you know, if you were thinking about like even just what we're talking about, corrective discipline, even that takes a lot of time, right? And on top of that, if you're thinking about like even intentionally uh, thinking of ways to grow your child in obedience, that takes even more time, right? Yeah, these things take time and they take a lot of energy, right? But um, you're asking yourself the question to evaluate right now your lives. Is your home a place for training? Or is it just a place where you're correcting bad behavior? But are you also intentionally thinking about training them in the ways that they need to grow? Again, remember how God deals with us. God instructs us and trains us through his word and through his spirit who dwells within us. And so we want to imitate what God is doing you know, to our children, right? We want to be thinking about training and instructing our children as well. Well, the next one is really important. Be encouraging. Our children need encouragement, you know. So do you intentionally take time to encourage your children when they are showing obedience in some area? Do you praise them when they do something really, really well? Because, you know, we um, spend so much time just correcting our children. And sometimes it feels that that's all you ever do is like, you know, I feel like I'm just always correcting my child, right? Uh, that's something like a lot of parents have said. Uh, it's easy to let encouragements just drop. And, you know, our child is never hearing any encouragements from us. Um, and that's especially true if we are very angry with our child and really frustrated with them for their, um, you know, consistent bad behavior. They, they may never hear any encouragements from us. But we should remember, while discipline restrains bad behavior, encouragement reinforces good behavior. So you don't want to spend all your time just correcting your children. 
Um, and children grow in obedience a lot as they hear your encouraging words to them. So be intentional about that. Be intentional about encouraging your children. And, and that means that you want to notice not only when they do something wrong, but also when they do something right, so that you can make a big deal of it with them. Um, and remember, this is how God treats us, right? God encourages us. We go to his word when we sit under the preaching of his word, when we are in a Bible study or when we are reading God's word in our quiet time. We are encouraged as we think about God's love to us, about how much God has blessed us in Christ, about his provision of his word, his spirit to us. All of these things are super encouraging for us. And so we want to be thinking about all the ways that we can be very encouraging to our children as well. Well, the next one is we want to be discerning. So we want to really have wisdom in parenting and use wisdom in parenting. Yeah, so on one hand, we want to follow what the Bible teaches and biblical wisdom, but we also recognize that it is going to look different in different families, especially, you know, the finer points of details as it applies to different families. It's going to look different. And depending on the personalities of your child and the different situations, it's going to be applied differently. And so what we are acknowledging is God has created each child differently. Each person is created different. And we want to take into account all of those differences. What that means is we must really get to know our child and get to know them very well. You know. So, for example, maybe one of your children needs a little more calming down time before they are able to hear any instructions from you. Whereas another one of your child might be able to hear it right then and there, you know. Um, different personalities, right? It will require different ways of communicating and instructions. I think here it is really helpful for us to remember that God has all wisdom. He does not lack in any wisdom. And the encouraging thing is he's promised to give us wisdom if we ask him. We also realize we don't have wisdom and we need wisdom. Um, and especially when we think about parenting, we need God's wisdom, right? Um, so it's, we don't just live by or go by formulas. You know, give me the formula for successful parenting. Maybe some people have written some books on this. But, you know, tell me the formula and, you know, um, I want to know what works. That's not the way we live wisely in this world. We live uh, based on the wisdom that God has given us. And we should pray for that. And God promises to give us that. The next one says... Yeah, be gracious. Um, so consider, you know, even as you're parenting, how patient Christ has been with you. Consider how tender he is in the way that he cares for you. Consider even the gracious, how gracious he is in the demands that he makes of you. And how he responds to you when you sin against him. When you think about all that, I think it really motivates you to be gracious to your children as well. So yes, you must be clear in what you are asking your child to do in your commands. But you also want to be thoughtful about what you are asking them to do. So, for example, if your child has spent all afternoon building a Lego ship, um, but it is not done. And uh, it is time to clean up. Um, you know, you can be gracious. You can say, okay, maybe just leave your, whatever you have done so far out there with the key pieces and then 
you know, clean up everything else and come back to that tomorrow morning. And that's being very gracious with them in, the, in your command. Or if you know that they are so engrossed in a project, um, maybe even in your command, you can say, take five more minutes to finish this. That's not delayed disobedience. That is, you're saying, that is the command itself. You know, take five more minutes, but then I want you to finish this and go to bed. Now, none of us are planning to be mean to our children, right? No parent is um, uh, going to be intentionally mean to their children. But in the midst of busy days or when we are stressed out or when we are running late somewhere, sometimes we can ask our children to do something without being considerate um, for what we are asking them to do. So be thoughtful, be gracious, be considerate when you ask them to do something. Um, and we should remember that our battle is against sin. It is not against our children. We are not fighting our children. We are fighting against the sin in the children. And that can help us maintain the right spirit as we parent them. Now, we said we would come back to this, which is the, um, as we talk about graciousness, this is a good time to talk about this. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Yeah, you know, that's really helpful for us to keep in mind as we think about parenting our children. Think about all the things that if you had a boss that you were working for, that your boss could do to provoke you. And, um, you know, for example, you may be working for someone who does not enforce rules consistently, um, you know, but it's just based on his emotions. Um, or one who does not take time to understand your limitations or even your aspirations. Um, or someone who does not even give you training to do your job well, but expects you to perform perfectly. Or someone who never has any encouraging words to say to you, right? Think of how you would feel working for a boss like that and how, you know, that person is provoking you. Um, you don't want to be that kind of authority in your children's life, you know. And so that's, that helps us understand Ephesians 6.4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, parting thoughts. The last page there. I'm going to go through this fast for the sake of time. Um, goals for parenting. Again, you know, we want to come back to this, right? We've um, repeated this many times, but it's so helpful for us to keep in mind. The goal is, as Christians, we want our children one day to know Christ, to trust in him for the forgiveness of their sins. And we want them to be conformed to Christ's image. That's the big desire that we have in our parenting. And we want our children to live under godly authority. That is gracious authority because it prepares them one day to trust in Christ, to understand the gospel. So <coughs> much of our parenting that we are doing, we're preparing them for the day when they can understand the gospel. So if we are careless about our children's obedience, what that means is we are going to be poorly preparing them to obey God, to sit under his authority, and to understand their need for his forgiveness. But if we are preparing them well by teaching them to obey, then they, by God's grace, are going to know their need for forgiveness and they are going to learn what it means to obey God and they're going to learn what it means to then sit under his rule and authority. So, yeah, th that maybe sums up 
you know, why we are um, teaching them to obey, because of the preparation that it is for them to know Christ and to follow him and to sit under his authority and rule for the rest of their lives, right? That's, uh, um, you know, that's worth the time and energy that we put into it uh, in, in preparing them by asking them to obey. Now, two dangers and one encouragement as we walk away from this. Um, one danger is harshness. So we think, okay, that's it. We're going to enforce the standard. We're going to take no prisoners, no mercy. Uh, we're going to get all our kids in line and do all of these things, right? And in the process, we forget that, yeah, children get tired. Um, children fall sick um, and they spill milk. And we forget that God gives us graciously warnings and he withholds punishments from us, right? So we don't want to be harsh, but you know, we want to avoid that danger. But the other danger, in contrast, is being too permissive. Um, so we have heard the teaching that we want to focus on the heart and not just the external behavior, right? And then we can walk away um, thinking that, yeah, you know, let's just you know, debate this with them. Or, you know, we can become too consultative, you know. Um, or we can be focused on fairness, you know, because our child is always asking, is this fair or not? Um, or we may not consistently require for them to obey us. Um, that's being too permissive. And we just want to remember both are errors that we want to avoid. And we want to know what is our natural inclination, you know, which extreme is it? Are we inclined to be too harsh or are we inclined to be too permissive? And our spouses can be very helpful in this, you know, so more conversation with our spouses can guard us. We should remember we are living in a culture that is pressing against us to not be godly authorities in our home and in our family. Um, our culture may be telling us to be very harsh, depending on what culture we are coming from, or our culture may be telling us to be very permissive. And certainly our children are telling us to be more permissive. So there is a lot of pressure on us to not be godly authority in their life. Um, but we want to make sure that we are doing this for the sake of our children, right? Let's be parents that help each other parent well. So even in Covenant Hope, let's think about how we can help each other. Actually, I think this is happening a lot. Even the fact that we're all here in the parenting class is a good example of this, right? That we can talk to one another about the struggles that we have in parenting. I think we do this well. But I also want to encourage us to be brave and invite others to comment as they see how we are doing in our parenting, right? So ask others, hey, you know, talk to, talk to us about what do you see um, about how we are doing? You know, what are we doing well? What are the areas that we need to grow in? I, th I think it's... Uh, uh, it's uh, maybe difficult to invite comments, but it's really helpful. We can help each other. Finally, encouragement. All of this may seem really hard to do. It can seem very overwhelming, maybe impossible, um, all the things that we are talking about. And, you know, it's so easy to feel like I'm just completely failing at parenting. But don't forget to step back and remember that God has not left us in the dark. But he's given us his word that is so helpful for us uh, to do this. And he's given us the church. So we have the body of Christ so that we are not alone as we learn how to apply um, biblical wisdom in our particular situations, you know, with the children that God has given us. 
Um, but also remember that God has given us his grace. Think of what God's grace has already accomplished in our lives. His grace was sufficient to save us. Don't you think his grace is sufficient for us to learn how to parent our children well? How encouraging that is. And don't forget to enjoy your children. You know, they are a gift from God to us. I think we are over time. All right. You know, are we over time? We've gone about an hour and 15 at times. Okay, okay, great. So that means maybe we have time for a few sure. questions. Sure. Okay, yeah. A- any questions about anything we have talked about so far? You were talking about teaching and training. Mm. Like, this is my, like, this is my thought process. Just Sometimes I think you feel so small. When should I start in teaching and training? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is one. Second thing, I think he's a good boy. He's doing good. So mm-hmm. What should I? Any thought on that? Yeah, you know, at the beginning of this, you know, we talked a lot about, like, um, you know, for younger children, you know, what is maybe helpful, like, um, you know, those four things, the four goals may be really helpful. And, um, you know, like sometimes our children are not very difficult, but I think it's still helpful to like, uh, <clears throat> you know, as much as he's able to understand, like find ways to communicate that. Um, so it's not all corrective discipline, right? It's also formative discipline that is very helpful. Um, but anything else? Anything else you want? I didn't quite understand the first, the first thought or question. Um, he's he's so small that he doesn't understand anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How old? You guess how old? Seven months. Yeah, seven months. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, between one and two, he'll begin to think that he rules you rather yeah. than you rule. <laughs> so in other words, just wait so for it. You know, when you tell your child specifically, don't do that, and they look at you, <laughs> and they reach out to do that, That's you know, so they, it's like they're testing. Yeah. Will you really enforce the boundary? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you really the authority? Mm-hmm. And then you have to demonstrate that you are the authority. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. As a father, you know what. Yeah, <laughs> I love to say that. I think, you know, what you just said there is uh, is so helpful for me just to know what we are doing with commands is we are setting boundaries. But then with discipline, you know, uh, sometimes the children are testing, are the boundaries really there or not? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. let's let's test it. Yeah. And then if it's not consistent discipline, um, then it, it, it's teaching them that it's not really there. But with consistent discipline, it's teaching them, yeah, the boundaries are there and that prepares them for their whole life. You know, yeah, even I mean, if... I'm sorry. Oh, no, 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 go ahead. I think they're teaching, they're, they're testing 
do you set the boundaries in my life or mm-hmm. do I set my own boundaries? Yeah. And that's that you know, that's really the story of sin yes. in in human beings. You it's know? not just the sin of boundaries, it's also the sin of the boundaries and the combination of the people in the house. Yeah, yeah, their sin. Their boundaries. Uh, their boundaries as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean it's just like this uh, the serpent said, Did God really say you should not eat of any fruits in the, you know, I mean, he, he starts questioning the rules and then she ends up deciding, I'll set the boundaries. Which to connects with the idea that God's blessing is inside his boundaries. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. it's such a helpful reminder because it's so tiring yeah. enforcing boundaries. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if you can keep remembering like, oh, this is helping them one day they're going to understand God's yeah, that's right. And, and uh, yeah, the boundaries also, I think, help us enjoy freedom, right? Because within those boundaries, you allow your children to be as free as, and they know how I can be free. They're not just always asking, am I supposed to do this or not? You know, they can, they can learn to enjoy the freedoms then. Yeah. yeah. Maybe one question. It's a practical question. How, you're not going to, being consistent, right? But sometimes what happens is there is a, a location that determines what is acceptable in that location versus something that is acceptable outside. For example, you're allowed yeah, to run yeah, in yeah. a mall. Yeah, the it's... moment you enter a parking lot of the mall, you're no longer yeah. allowed to run, right? So the boundaries actually change depending on where it is taking place. Yeah. Any practical examples of how you handle that? Or let's say even. You can in your in the privacy of your house you can scream, they can play, but then in the church you're expected yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. quiet. Yeah. So I personally would say all of that is still boundaries. So regard the, uh, boundaries means in different location it'll be different, you know, like when they are in church, you know, they must sit and listen. That that is part of the boundary. Um, because that is what is appropriate for them. Mm-hmm. Um, or like when we are visiting someone, you know. They can't just like just scream and run around, you know. Uh, so that's part of the boundary, I would say. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think you're teaching. I mean, that's why it never ends. <laughs> it's always going on because there's new situations, there's new circumstances, and you're teaching. Okay, there's different boundaries for this place. When you see a lot of cars, that means we have to be really careful, and you can't go run away from me, you know, you can't run free like we do when we go to Sapa Park. Yeah. That's different. I think it helps so much to just explain your expectations mm-hmm. before you get to mm-hmm. the That's good. So like, okay, we're about to walk out of the mall. When we're out, you must hold my hand all the time. That's the clear expectation. Rather than, you know, we're, we step outside the doors, and now I'm angry because you've run off. Yeah. But I never really That's was helpful. fair to say, when we go in the store, I expect this. Or when we go visit these friends, this is how we care for their home. We don't just grab all the things. And so I expect, like be really clear, this is what I expect. And then later you can say, I told you what was expected, and you didn't obey that, and now there's a consequence for your disobedience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows what was expected. 
changes yeah. you're uh, teaching them who sets the rules yeah. who's an authority yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I find you know maybe the harder thing and I always like look to like good examples for this is um, not the boundary but when the boundary is broken in different places how to um, follow that up with consequence because it may not be in the privacy of my home yeah. but it may be in her school which is actually you know I don't know I could get into trouble you know, or somewhere else, someone else's home, you know, and, uh, um, but I have noticed, like, some Christian parents, you know, like, they are just so consistent with, like, you know, following through, and it is so helpful for the children, you know, and I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm always asking, like, how, what is the best way to do that? Next week, we'll talk about the rod of correction, so next okay. week, we'll talk about the consequences, okay, meeting out the consequences, um, yeah. Can you uh, talk a little bit about delayed obedience? Like growing up, I grew up yeah. like one, two, three. Yeah. Uh, and when I come three, you're going to get. So I feel that kind of encourages delayed obedience. And I see that doing myself doing it with the girls. I'm like, I don't want to do that because even getting to the point of having to count is annoying for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm somehow like stuck in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, thanks for sharing. Um, Yeah, I think um, on one hand, even when someone says one, two, three, I think they initially said that so that it is clear in communication to the child, like by three, you must be done. But I think you can, you know, it, it, it kind of like erodes the, you know, the, the whole obedience in the first place by even saying one, two, three, right? Like, why not? Why do I have to come one to three? You know, I think it's pretty clear. Like right now, you know, um, yeah. I think uh, I think how you're asking how to do it. Yeah, or, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Just maybe some practical ways to. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm already in that situation. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. How do I backtrack and? Yeah. Now they expect that one to three. Yeah, be. I mean, I can give yeah. you like recent example, like as of last night. <laughs> 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 We were at a wedding in Russell Kema and, um, you know, it was like 10 p.m. And uh, anyway, I was there because I was one of the groomsmen, so I couldn't leave early. But then it was just me and Amelia, and, you know, we had to leave. And then I told her, um, you know, that uh, we have to leave now. And she says, um, no, I just want to, uh, I just want to live here forever. Um, <laughs> and, uh, anyway, so I said now, and you know, she just kept ignoring me. She was just having a great time and you know, all of that. And uh, I think I just told her, if you don't come now, then you know, you will be punished. And then I, I uh, had to follow through with that. And I hope it was helpful. <laughs> yeah. I think you just have to break the habit. You just have to. I mean, the next time that you give a command and they don't obey, don't don't count to three. Yeah. And when they don't obey, the punishment and the consequence comes. And then they'll start to learn, oh, she's not going to give me three, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. three seconds anymore. Um, and they'll learn the hard way. 
because that's generally the way we learn, the hard way. Um, yeah, you just have to stop. And and it it works, you know. It is because uh, yeah, they learn that. Yeah, I have to. <coughs> Brian, can you pray for us? Yeah, I can pray for us. Let's, uh, let's pray. <coughs> Heavenly Father, thank you so much that um, you provide boundaries for us and you teach us obedience um, so that we remain in your love, we continue to enjoy your blessings, and we know, Lord, that when we sin, we um, deny ourselves <coughs> blessings. And even worse than that, we know that sin leads to death. Uh, we thank you and praise you that you've told us the truth and the gospel, uh, both the bad news and the good news, that Jesus has taken on himself the penalty that we did not want to take ourselves uh, and could not. But he's done it for us, and we praise you for that. We praise you for salvation. We praise you that you're a loving father. We pray, Lord, that you help us to be loving parents who teach obedience well. In Christ's name, amen. 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 amen.